Now let us prepare our hearts for the reading of the word. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this, your word, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, the bread of heaven. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Psalm, chapter 50, verses 1 through 8 and 22 through 23. Listen for the word of the Lord. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silent. Before him is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. Mark this, then, you who forgot God, and I will tear apart, and there will be no one to deliver. Those who bring thanksgiving as their sacrifice honor me to those who go the right way. I will show the salvation of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Listen for the word of the Lord again. Do not be afraid, little flock. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 12, verses 32 to 40. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, Blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man 
is coming at an unexpected hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear what you are saying to us today. Now let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, through Christ. Amen. The sermon title this morning is Prioritize Your Life for Christ. The text is reminiscent of the love and admonition a parent or caregiver gives their child. The reward for doing what is asked and the warning if it is ignored. Most of our sermons rightly preached about Christ or about his love, grace, and forgiveness, but we often neglect or do not hear the truth that Christ's grace was always set in his coming judgment. The Revelation literary genre speaks to the end times work of salvation, and Jesus stood in the apocalyptic tradition and called his followers to prepare for the restoration of Israel in the kingdom of God. But we humans can get distracted from the divine revelation of Christ's second coming. A New York Times article in 2005 on human distraction reads, humans specialize in distraction, especially when the task at hand requires intellectual heavy lifting. But in an era of emails, the article goes, instant messaging, Googling, iPhones, and e-commerce, potential distractions while seated at the computer are not only ever-present, but very enticing. Distracting oneself used to consist of sharpening a half dozen pencils or sipping coffee. Today, there is a universe of diversions to buy, hear, watch, and forward, which makes focusing on a task all the more challenging. The digital war consumes more of our lives even today. Jesus warns his disciples not to lose sight of the kingdom of God. The uncomfortable climax in our text comes when Jesus demands them to sell and give their possessions to the poor in verse 33. Jesus knew the redirection of the heart for material self-sufficiency and independence that leads to not having trustful dependence on God. Ordinary life can get in the way of our priorities for Christ. But Jesus spoke words of comfort to let his disciples know that the gift that awaited those who put Christ first and trusted in the Lord by saying, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. The disciples are reminded that the Father graciously desires to give them the kingdom, whether big or small, in strength or weakness. To sell and give to the poor is to point to living in the spirit of Christ's work, in the world. 
and attentiveness that will keep them ready for Christ's return. Brothers and sisters, there is one overriding priority for Christian living. Jesus wants us to be ready for his return. There are three warnings that help keep our compass for Christ. First, remove the unnecessary baggage that distracts you from your inheritance. Jesus says in verse 32 and 33, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Jesus is not calling us to be without, but radically responsible for what we have. The idea is that giving to the poor autom- the idea is not that giving to the poor automatically buys a heavenly reward, but that our heart's orientation away from mere earthly security means that we are rich toward God, a wealth that lasts. The heart of giving gives us the right allegiance and the right habits. Unnecessary baggage can mean different things to different people. Most airlines have forced the souls aboard their planes to think two or three times about what baggage is essential when they're flying to their destination. You can bring as many bags as you want, but it will come at a cost. For us, the cost of carrying unnecessary worldly baggage focuses our attention away from Christ instead of boldly investing and trusting in the one who gives us life and eternal salvation. Material anxiety often demands that we hold on to the perishable items of life. But Jesus calls us to have assurance in God's providential care of us. The song, His Eye is on the Sparrow, by Sevilla Martin and Charles Gabriel, immortalized by Ethel Waters, reminds us that God desires to care for his children. Scholar, cleric, church leader, and avid bird watcher, John Scott wrote a book entitled The Birds Are Teachers, said that we should learn from them. He speaks about many birds, including sparrows and ravens. Luke chapter 12, verse 6 and 7 speak of sparrows and verse 24 of ravens. And Jesus reminds us of how much more valuable we are to the Father. Aristotle said it well. If God does not own our possessions, then our possessions will own us. Removing the unnecessary baggage that produces a spirit against the confining, restricting, and obsessing nature of possessions keeps us in a state of readiness for an unimaginable greater existence in Christ's return. Second, do not lose your sense of urgency. Jesus is not calling us to be red alert Christians but to be mindful of the divine reward that awaits those who are ready in the Lord. It is unrealistic to live in a state of red alert, but we modern Christians have somehow lost some of the urgency of the first century. Perhaps 2,000 years of waiting since Christ died, was resurrected, 
and ascended to heaven has produced complacency. In the first parable, verses 35 to 38, Jesus warns his disciples and us today to be dressed for action and have our lamps lit. Then, as in many Eastern countries today, men wore long flowing and sometimes ornate robes that limited their mobility. Jesus used familiar imagery to the Israelites to make his point. Exodus 12, verse 11 says, This is how you should eat. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. To be dressed for action or their loins girded was to have their robes tucked into their belts. It signified agility and speed and the lamps burning the ability to move in the dark. For us to be dressed for action is to have our sleeves rolled up, ready to serve, ready to love, and to participate in God's kingdom, like the preparedness of a runner at a track meet who approaches the line, anticipating the gun firing to run. In the parable, Jesus told his disciples that for them to be prepared for the master who will come unexpectedly, they must be in a state of waiting, watching, and opening the door. A good servant would tend the flame in his oil, in his oil lamp so that when his master returned, he could light the way. We too must gird our loins as we wait on the Lord. Watch for what the Spirit is doing and join in. Hear and recognize the knock of Jesus in our hearts and open the door of invitation and receive him. Being girded for the Lord is servant love in action, which creates a purse for us, for the treasure in heaven. When we are addressed for Jesus, he promises two things. First, we will be blessed. He gives a beatitude in verses 37 and 38, saying, blessed are those slaves. The conventional status of an enslaved person was worthless. But Jesus makes a shift for us from ordinary life to one of being shown God's favor. Second, in an unanticipated twist of grace, not seen in the ancient or modern worlds, the master puts on the garments of servitude and comes to fellowship and serve us at the table. We are reminded today on this first Sunday that Jesus prepares a joyful feast at the table for us in the Lord's Supper as we wait for the great banquet in the kingdom to come. Brothers and sisters, we must be willing to adopt a posture to our master's will and readiness to do it. Lastly, don't fall asleep on the gospel. This second parable, verses 39 and 40, must have seemed like a normal exhortation to be ready for God's service. 
Just as in the Old Testament when the prophets were warned, warned the people to be ready for the coming day of the Lord. But Jesus warns against the laissez-faire attitude about his unexpected return. The sense to be ready is not dozing off on the good news where we fail to serve Christ and are unable to see God's glory and our blessings. If we fall asleep, we can cease being the church, a place for weary souls in need of the refreshing good news of the grace and mercy of Jesus. We do not want to be like some unprepared students who cram at the last minute to pass a test or are unprepared for a pop quiz. Of course, Grace Covenant doesn't have any unprepared students. There are some Christian groups who function in the same way of unpreparedness. They attempt to prove the imminence of the Lord's coming or even pinpoint what time Jesus is coming. And they too, like the homeowner in our parable, will find themselves asleep and unready for Christ's return. Christ is telling us to stay alert to his presence. Staying awake for Christ puts him first and calls us to be engaged in servant love, reading God's word, and praying for the kingdom to come. When we stay awake and put Christ first in our lives, families, church, and the world, we will have a communal relationship with others in Christ. Oswald Chambers, the author of My Utmost of His Highest, reflected on this passage, writing, The great need for Christian worker is to be ready to face Jesus Christ at any and every turn. This is not easy, no matter what our experience is. The battle is not against sin or difficulties or circumstances, but against being so absorbed in work that we are not ready to face Jesus at every turn. This is the one great need, not facing our belief or our creed, the question whether we are of any use but to face him. Friends, Jesus wants to take us to a deeper level of discipleship. His warning for us today is not to allow the lamp of the gospel to grow dim. Jesus is calling us to wake up to trusting him that he might receive us in his glorious final triumph. Time is short. Jesus is coming. We are closer today to the coming of Jesus than at any other time in history. And we must make the most of our ability and the opportunity to serve as God's people. When we prioritize our lives for Christ, the readiness of our homes will be a heart for Christ, a light for the gospel that remains bright. When we prioritize our life for Christ, we will know that we only have one true master, 
live in servant love for one another, and recline at the table with Jesus, who will serve us. To God be the glory. Amen.